Hey guys, welcome, welcome. I'm Katie and I'm here with Mika and this is the Miss Findependent podcast. We aim to teach people to become more financially literate and independent by helping you guys, our lovely listeners, build the toolkit necessary to become more confident investors, entrepreneurs, and go further in your careers. For today's topic, we want to break down where different ideas around money come from throughout history, as well as dive into our current capitalist economic system. Before we get into it, I just want to say that this podcast isn't meant to be a political discussion. And if we say things that you don't necessarily agree with, our intention is that you keep an open mind. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, but with social media these days, it's so easy to get locked into an echo chamber where the people you follow, their thoughts echo your mentality. And oftentimes we don't expose ourselves to people whose opinions maybe vary from ours. And there's no harm in, you know, following people that think like you, but it's also important to listen to different perspectives to broaden your view of understanding. So why think about capitalism? Why are we starting here? Well, we live in a quasi-capitalist society, and it's the central phenomenon in modern life. I think it's important that we learn how humanity has gotten here and how can we make the most out of it to propel the human race. Now, we aren't claiming that a capitalist society is without its flaws. It has a ton of flaws, but rather we're in this current situation anyway. So how do we make the most out of it in a virtuous way. And if you just heard the word capitalism and had an allergic reaction, let's take a step back and deconstruct where any negative ideas about making money, being rich, and capitalism come from in today's world. Why do you think that some people have such a problem with their neighbors and friends being successful? Jealousy. I think if we deconstruct the root of jealousy, these Negative feelings usually stem from people's own self-doubt. Jealousy is a normal human reaction, right? It's not a positive one, but it's normal. Like, people always want to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, and it's all relative, right? People need to realize that financial wealth is all relative and that there's always going to be people that are more financially well-off than you. And there's always going to be people who are less financially well-off than you. The problem with comparing yourself to others is that no two people are in the same place. I think it's a bold statement to make, but a lot of negative ideas about money come from people not feeling like they have enough or wanting more. And I don't think that's a bad thing. People with more wealth have the resources to do more good in the world. And that's something that we can dive into. And it helps to remember that money is neither good nor evil. It's just a tool that can be used to create more good in the world. You can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to clock someone in the head. Just try not to blame the hammer. Being financially successful or focused on achieving wealth doesn't make you a bad person unless you achieve that wealth in a non-virtuous way. So let's dive into capitalism a little bit more. Katie, what does it even mean? Capitalism is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit instead of being controlled by the state. 
So when I think of capitalism, I think of when we were growing up and going to school and our lovely teachers would ask us this burning question, which is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And some of us would say they'd want to be astronauts. Others would say they'd like to be firefighters or doctors. And if you were me, you were that brat in the corner who said that they wanted to be rich when they grow up. To me, capitalism means that you can be whatever you want to be and whatever you put your mind to. The possibilities are endless. Capitalism means that the harder you work, the more you will be rewarded financially. I just wanted to add that not everyone is in the same place. So by being of Greek heritage, my grandparents, much like other people's families, came to Canada with almost nothing. No family to help raise their children while they went to work. No money or assets to their name. I just want to stress that not everyone in a capitalist society is on the same playing field. An example of this would be comparing my grandparents to maybe a family that has been here for generations and has already established themselves. And when I say establish, I mean, you know, securing a sustainable means of income and having a place to call home. However, I believe that only in a capitalist society does it allow for immigrants such as my grandparents to work multiple jobs and, excuse my language, but basically work their asses off, save, and one day live out their dream of opening a steakhouse. I'm really happy you brought that up, Katie. There's actually two major elements of capitalism. And the first is the right to own private property, where through paying taxes, the government's required to be able to protect that private property. And the second element is an exchange between legally free individuals, where in our Western world, most individuals are legally free. And let's dive into the history a little bit, specifically the things that aren't normally written about in the business pages or in, in newspapers. Where did capitalism start? At first, there was a lot of trade in the Middle Ages, but mostly households tended to consume majority of the things that they produced and produced most of the things that they consumed oh my god okay guys i want you to take a second and imagine having to make all the things that we consume daily so not just food but imagine making your own furniture cookware soap makeup can you imagine making your own mascara (laughs) that's a crazy thought Only in the 18th century did people start buying most of the things that they needed. There was a growth of what's called a market-oriented household. So some people who produced honey would sell it and trade for other goods. So the, the amount of goods that were then available to people really increased because you weren't just producing all the things that you consumed. You were able to trade and get all sorts of other goods. People started working for others to gain money instead of just for their household, and this created wage labor or jobs. So how have we thought about money throughout the ages? When anyone says something, I always try to think about where they're coming from. And the modern thinkers, and when I say modern, I mean like 17th century to 20th century thinkers, they all form their ideas on the backdrop of Christian tradition and civil republican tradition, which dates back to ancient Greece. Shout out to your relatives, Katie. And they also influenced ancient Rome, and the civil republican tradition was brought back again in the Renaissance. 
But in ancient Greece, commerce was seen as not honorable, and the pursuit of economic self-interest was seen as a threat to civic virtue or high moral standards. Aristotle believed that commerce tended towards excess, and people were driven by greed. Aristotle also thought that money was sterile and there weren't any productive uses of money, which is an interesting thought that we'll, we'll definitely unpack. Uh, but first, Katie, I want to ask you, do you think people are inherently greedy? No. Um, when we use the word inherently, it leads people to believe that we as humans are greedy all the time. Um, I do think that a lot of the time people do act in self-interest. However, if we take a second and look at some of the world's most well-known billionaires, so we have Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, you will find that these very wealthy capitalists are also philanthropists and they do make it their mission to give back to their communities and to the world. I know just recently I was reading some articles and it mentioned how Jeff Bezos launched a $2 billion education program for the homeless and more recently has committed another $10 billion to help fight climate change. One thing I wanted to add is that people who have achieved financial wealth have a bigger platform and even more resources to do more good in the world. So you're basically saying people act in self-interest, but what is the self-interest driven by? If you break it down to what that driving factor is, I think humans have an innate need to provide for their family and to ensure that their family is taken care of um, if an event were to occur or something unforeseen were to happen. So basically humans have their survival instinct. But what if we're talking about someone like me or like you who don't have any children? Where does this self-interest stem from? I'm just going to let that thought sit and marinate. Nika, I know what you're trying to do here. You're asking me leading questions to get me to admit that humans are motivated by greed, by wanting to be better off than their neighbors. You caught me. <laughs> but let's go back to your heritage for a second, the ancient Greeks. So if you guys don't really follow ancient Greek philosophy, there's three main thinkers. Socrates, who was the father of Western philosophy. He then went on to teach Plato, and then Plato taught Aristotle. So before we were talking about Aristotle, let's talk about Plato for a second. Plato had this, uh, this allegory of the ring, or the ring of Gyges, from the Republic, which is a really interesting thought experiment. Basically, there was this shepherd who was feeding his sheep, and then he sees an earthquake split the ground in half. And he's sitting there amazed at the opening. He decides to go check it out. He finds this dead guy who has nothing on but a gold ring. And for some reason, he decides to take it off his finger. Now, I don't know what went through Plato's head when he sees a dead man and decides to take something off of him. But anyways, he takes this ring. And later that day, he goes to a meeting with a bunch of other shepherds. And he's fiddling around with the ring and turns something and realizes that all of a sudden, they're talking about him as if he's no longer in the room. And then he realizes that this ring's made him invisible. And he realizes that he can do anything and not be held accountable. So what does he do? He sneaks into the kingdom 
like the governing kingdom, and he seduces the queen, meaning he sleeps with her, and then he makes her fall in love with him and his newfound power. He becomes invisible again, he kills the king, and then he takes over the kingdom eventually. So if you could be invisible and not be held accountable for your actions, what would you do? How would you act? Do you see why people are driven by self-interest, Katie? And maybe we don't call this greed, okay? Maybe I was trying to lead you into the wrong loophole, but maybe we'll call this self-promotion. So if people are driven by self-interest or self-promotion, and we live in a society where you can be rewarded for self-interest, I'm curious to see where this negativity that's linked with making money comes from. So let's, let's unpack this. In Christianity, wealth was seen as promoting pride and lending money was condemned as usury. And I'll define what usury is in a sec. Usury is basically the practice of lending money at unreasonable interest rates or lending to earn a profit. In the Gospels, which is a section of the Bible in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, riches are deemed as a threat to salvation. And I only know this because I went to a Catholic school, guys. Um, I even remember one of my religion teachers talking about how you can't take any of your earthly possessions with you to the kingdom of heaven. So back in the Middle Ages, the idea of lending money was stigmatized and it was called usury, which again is the practice of lending money at unreasonable interest rates or lending to earn a profit. In medieval Europe, the stigmatized activity of lending money was permitted to only the Jews. And the Jews weren't allowed to lend to other Jews. They were allowed to lend to Christians. But the Jews were seen as beyond the community of the saved. So there's no salvation for the Jews. So it didn't matter if they were committing usury. And this is where a lot of the biases about Jews and money comes from. Let's just take a second and I'll let you guys reflect on what you think your purpose on earth is. For the Jews, it is waiting for the Messiah. For the Christians, it's waiting for salvation. But what is your purpose? When I think about my purpose, I think about my need to help people, specifically the elderly. I want to be able to acquire a certain level of financial wealth where I can subsidize senior housing for seniors who can't afford the high cost of privatized senior homes. Some people believe their end goal is to go to heaven, and so they read the Bible very literally and associate wealth or profit with sin. And for others, their end goal is to make as much money as possible and live their best lives. I'm not saying you can't do both, but it's important to recognize that there is a divide when it comes to the mindset around profit. We've always had this divide, even back in the 17th century. Around that time, there was this thinker, Thomas Hobbes, and he was a philosopher who arguably challenged tradition more than any other thinker. He wrote this book called Leviathan. No, it's uh, not named after Wonderland. He came way before that time. And his book, Leviathan, answered a lot of questions about religion. One of his main thoughts is that there's no reason to condemn the desire to get riches. Only when people pursue that desire through illegitimate means should we condemn them. 
And what we've come to learn through Plato's thought experiment, the allegory of the ring, is that we need laws to govern morality because people are inherently driven by self-interest and self-promotion. So now that we know a little bit of the history of how we've gotten here, let's take a second and bring it back to our modern society. Has capitalism through the ages made the human race better off or worse? So I personally believe with capitalism, we have been given the opportunity to use our dollars to vote. And what I mean by this is businesses know your vote matters. They have to treat you well because if they don't, you're going to take your vote and your dollars elsewhere and they will eventually go out of business. So now people may say that this is a result of consumerism and not capitalism, but aren't they one in the same? In a communist and socialist society, your options for services and products would be scarce and you would have less of a choice. With capitalism, you have a choice. I love that you brought that up, Katie. My parents grew up in Soviet Russia, where the government largely controlled all of their industries. Most things were made in Russia, and they avoided importing things like food and clothing as much as possible so that they were supporting the economy of the Soviet state. I remember hearing stories about how my dad had to come home from school and then go to their local corner store and get in line for hours not being able to play with his friends or do his homework or do other things, but get in line because their local store was getting a shipment of bananas. And they'd swap in different family members to wait in line. Sometimes they'd wait over 48 hours to get fucking bananas. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and when they first moved to Israel, where they went to escape the Soviet Union after it crumbled, they were so amazed at the different options they had at a grocery store. And what a store full of exotic fruit looked like so you might think okay technically you don't really need bananas to exist sure but through globalization and the abundance of different foods even in the food industry people have access to different nutrients and probably this has had a major increase on the health of people in general exactly the invisible influence of capitalism in medical advancements and technology has increased life expectancy and decreased mortality rates. Now, if we look at the past 120 years, so from the year 1900 to the year 2020, the average life expectancy increased by 48 years, which is absolutely insane. Medical advancement driven partly by private capital has caused tremendous innovation, making us ultimately live longer. Hey, Katie, think about scenarios where capitalism's failed us, though. So industries like big pharma, factory farming or fast fashion. If we go back to what Hobbes was saying, people should get persecuted when they go about self-interest in illegitimate means. So maybe with industries like big pharma, where people in the U.S. cross the border into Canada because of the outrageous costs of drugs like diabetes medication. Maybe we need better legal systems to protect people worldwide. But overall, capitalism has driven society to a point where we have all these resources, whether that be in healthcare, entertainment, education, that have progressed humanity. And we need to keep moving that dial and pushing humanity forward. And that starts with the individual. When you focus on your self-interest in a virtuous way, you're helping move that dial. When you start a business or you work for a corporation, you have the ability to support different industries. And the best thing that you can do when you own a business 
is employ other people so that they have the means to support and progress different industries through their dollar. So supporting different um, different industries like choosing maybe not to purchase meat because they're against animal agriculture or choosing to purchase an electric car like a Tesla. And if you work for a business, you have the opportunity to suggest or promote a type of culture at your workplace. For example, when I worked at KPMG, there was a culture to give back to the community. And in the industry I worked in, employees were given the time every month to volunteer at their charitable organization of choice. And oftentimes, my co-workers would suggest different organizations and we'd organize fundraisers for it. Interesting. So you did a lot of charity work back in the day. Eh? Yeah, and it's great to see that big corporations actually promote and um, encourage you to give back to the community, which before I even entered the workplace, I didn't think such cultures actually existed. Yeah, definitely a huge benefit. And that sparks a different thought, actually, Katie. So when you talk about like KPMG supporting all these initiatives, that that support stems from the founder of that company. So a lot of the times like when I talk with, you know, other friends or coworkers, it's been brought up multiple times that people think billionaires shouldn't exist. And if you're one of these people or of this mindset, honestly ask yourself why. Does this stem from a place of jealousy? Right? When is enough money too much money? Is it 5 million? Is it 50 million? Is it 1 billion? Where are we capping it? And if we cap it, aren't we also capping the source of motivation for people to go out and innovate? Billionaires have the platform, reach, and resources that even some governments don't have. Like Bezos, when you mentioned earlier, donating billions to support technologies to end climate change and educating the homeless so they never have to live on the streets again. Like, he's doing so much good for the world. But as a society, we can be really critical of the other. Naturally, emotions like jealousy arise, right? So think about where that those feelings stem from. Again, all this is just food for thought. These are just important questions we need to be asking ourselves. All that energy and time that we spend thinking about what billionaires should be doing with their money we're not spending thinking about how we can create more, how we can innovate more. When you focus on your self-interest to make a profit, you have the choice as to what you want to do with that profit. So instead of viewing profit or self-interest negatively, keep in mind that you have the power to support the industries and the people that you choose. If you want to see a change in the world, think about what industries you're supporting with your dollar. Think about the dairy industry in the U.S., right? There's been a major shift of people not wanting to support the dairy industry. And as a result, the second leading dairy industry in 2019 went bankrupt as people started to support alternative milk choices like nut milks and or just choosing to stop drink milk altogether. Um, this isn't really like a nutritional podcast, but if you're curious, look into it. Bottom line, what we're saying here is you have the power to support the change that you want to see in the world. If climate change and the environment is something that's really important to you, think about what you can do as a consumer to drive change, right? What industries are you supporting? Are you supporting animal agriculture, for example? Are you supporting the dairy industry? What, what industries are you supporting? And 
Only in our capitalist society do you have that choice. That's it for today, guys. We hope that this conversation sparks some thought-provoking questions and that you take these new thoughts and share them with your family and your friends and continue the discussion on how we can level up and take advantage of this capitalist society we live in today. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great day.